Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a successful business, I've met directly or indirectly many successful people from entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes someone successful? Do we even know what success is? And the all-important question, can we create it for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Today's guest is Jazz Gandam, the CEO of eCareers, an organization that develops e-learning materials helping people secure qualifications, which he acquired seven years ago. He works with government bodies, educational departments, and signs up over 7,000 students each month across all number of course topics. And if that wasn't enough, his business iProSport is growing in a completely different industry, developing natural hydration drinks. Jazz was prestigiously crowned Entrepreneur of the Year at the Amazon Growing Business Awards in 2017. So that is quite a CV. So it gives me great pleasure to welcome our guest today, Jazz Gundam. Hi, Sandra. Nice to meet you. How are you? Lovely for you to be here with us. Thank you. So uh, let's get straight into it. We don't have very long, unfortunately. All the things I know about you, Jazz, would probably lead us to be here for several hours, but 30 minutes is all we got, so we'll do our best. So, Jazz, tell me, do you think you were always entrepreneurial? I know you've got quite a, a successful father. So uh, was it a case of you living in his shadow or you clearly broke free and developed your entrepreneurial skill? Tell us a little bit about your background and what happened. I think you're always born with entrepreneurial spirit. Whether you have the opportunities to engage it, I think um, is definitely a case of fate, luck, opportunity, meeting the right people and all of that. Um, I'm actually a qualified civil engineer. Um, mm. I wanted to go around the world and build water access uh, projects um, in for developing countries that was my dream probably as a 15 16 year old um, and in a in, I was studying in uh, I was studying at Kingston University to be a civil engineer got to the, my final year of, uh, of of my degree and my father who ran a engineering business um, manufacturing products for the chemical process industry and he'd started this business about 10 years prior to that um, was really getting to an important stage of um, of sort of um, uh, development of the business and he had some health issues so it was a case of okay I'm about to finish my degree I better finish my degree properly um, without sort of uh, losing focus did that and literally the following day after my last exam, um, set up a computer at home uh, where he used to work from, um, ne next to him. Um, supposed to be a six-month project and uh, have never really looked back. So, so, so I've officially, I don't think I've ever worked for anybody in my life. Um, so is, is that a good thing? No, I don't think it is a good thing. I think that's one of the things that I would, um, I, I probably regret now. There's a lot of decisions that I made in my early years due to that level of inexperience, understanding why people wouldn't do things the way I'd like them done, why people don't make decisions the way I like them made. And that's sometimes a good thing. People always talk about corporate, sometimes got to be slow, calculated, you know, 
methodical. I think that if that done in the right balance is the right thing to do. So um, I think that let me down in my first few years. So going on from that, uh, 1999 was when I joined my father's business. An amazing experience. That became my apprenticeship. Uh, The products, uh, we had a factory that was in India. Um, At at that point, we were um, exporting um, safety critical products uh, to the the US and Western Europe. Um, And that period was when, you know, the whole concept of buying from, from, from India, China was still not as freely as accepted as it sort of became in the, uh, in the, in the noughties and onwards. So that was, that was a hell of a challenge. Hey, do you want to buy this safety critical Teflon product for the chemical industry, Mr. German or Swiss or American from India? Um, I got to travel all over the world. I became, I became, I learned international trade. I learned about how different countries and cultures adopted different methods of working. Um, drove thousands and thousands of miles, went back to India, loads of trips to India, understood logistics, supply chain, the whole of that sales, technical sales, manufacturing. We introduced some massive software projects like SAP. Learned everything from top to bottom that a business could do. Um, we we employed seven hundred staff, so it wasn't wasn't a small operation either. We opened foundries, so it was massive. It got to about two thousand and nine, which was ten years, and I thought to myself, you know what, I've I, I got the buzz of business at that point. Um, uh, sort of getting to the age of around thirty. You sort of think you at that point you can you can rule the world, um, and that was the vision. And in the back of my mind, that was always going to be my father's business. Uh, doesn't matter how big or successful or wonderful it got. Um, and and at that point, I'd made a lot of friends and contacts, and we had a lot of conversations around the digital learning world. I was never a technical person, but was but always understood you know markets and 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 and. and had a, had a knack for seeing what was going to go on. We connected it, and that's where eCareers was born in 2011. Um, and really, you know, everything's changed since then. Well, I have to say, all credit to you, because from everything I've heard, you know, stepping out of the relative comfort of your father's business, which a lot of people, let's be honest, would have been very tempted to have remained in, because it, yeah. it was the obvious thing, wasn't it? To, to step away from that and, and be your own person, that, that must have taken some courage. Yeah, it was a massive decision. I had the full support. I, you know, I credit to my credit to my father. He gave me the full support to say, "Look, this is what you want to do." Um, uh, you know, I think that was a, that was an important thing. If he if he really didn't want me to, I could I could I'd be able to see it into his eyes, and I probably wouldn't have done it. So credit to him. You know, he gave me the full support um, to to make that decision in 2011. And the vision, the vision for eCareers was really simple. What we wanted to do, we understood that awarding bodies uh, across the uh, across the UK and certainly across the world needed to become needed to make their qualifications more accessible. Uh, the, the world was changing; it was becoming more digitized, um, and the idea then was to 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 to, to bring technology. To them, I had, a, I had a very close friend um, who became my business partner on day one, a gentleman called Richard Brooks, who's in in Bombay. He was always he's he's been building, developing e-learning, 
Um, he's got a he's got a degree in learning psychology uh, and technology. Um, he's the he's the geek of the business. Um, and we sat down and we said, look, this is what we want to do. We want to bring qualifications to the masses, and smartphones, internet, you know, devices are going to be able to be the be the highway to allow us to deliver that. So if we could connect the dots and bring these opportunities in front of these awarding bodies who are who are really interested in pass marks and enrollments, and if you could connect them with the individual and deliver pass marks, that was going to be the uh, the sort of uh, the sort of winning uh, strategy for us. And we've spent the first year invested a lot of time, effort, and money to build some very strong case studies, and um, and the business has really carried on from there. Um, and like you said, is you know seven years on, um, nearly two hundred staff. Uh, we've in, we've we've enrolled as of as of today, September twenty eighteen, five hundred and ten thousand people on one of our courses, um, and and really it's 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 uh, you know we've we've opened up corporate training, we've taken our technology in front of organizations that we that probably got a stronger brand than us but have got a massive need to qualify people and train people with all of these skills gaps that are opening up now in the world um, everybody talks about skill shortages and old brexit what's going to happen and you know we you know you know we've relied on um, imported talent we now need to upskill people here all of that's going to that's what's going to be massive and our business is really built on understanding skill shortages innovating in the middle and building relationships with the awarding bodies and delivering a complete ecosystem uh, along that, and we've had some, we've got some great partners that that go out and uh, deliver uh, these these qualifications on our behalf. You know, colleges and you know, chambers of commerce, and you know, we work with the top six unions in the in the country. And yeah, our business hopefully will just go from strength to strength, and we haven't even looked at the international market yet. So wow. it's uh, it's uh, it's exciting times. Good for you. So you know, with all this going on, and, and as successful as you've been over the last nine years, eight nine years, um, you then you then kind of not exactly go off piece, but you then develop another business opportunity. You, you identify another business uh, that you can make an impact an industry can make an impact in so tell us a little bit about the um about ipro sport and how that came about yeah i think you're being polite by saying you didn't go totally off piece we went totally off piece it was you know you, we talked about my apprenticeship being in, in an industry that's related to sort of engineering and manufacturing e-careers is really about education and technology and you look back at it now you know ipro is sort of sports and FMCG mm. couldn't have, couldn't be any more different but that wasn't the way we looked at it at the time that came about as you probably hear from a lot of entrepreneurs a sort of a random conversation um, we were we, we, we were watching we were watching um, uh, an England football match uh, and we saw one of the players walk off and do an interview with a bottle of lookers aid in his hand um, and we and it, it was it was like wow we were talking about sponsorship and the power of sponsorship and how you know you can use you know visual impressions to really drive you know in the sports world it was a random conversation and then a few weeks later purely by fate we met a nutritionist of a premier league football club i'm not going to say whom 
um, who we talked about and sort of said, you know, what are the benefits of... It was a random conversation about the benefits of drinking um, these sports drinks because 70% of the sports drinks market was was, was owned by three companies, um, GlaxoSmithKline, LucasAid, uh, Coca-Cola, which owns Powerade, and PepsiCo that owns Gatorade. And we were speaking to the, uh, the this this nutritionist at the sports club. We were sort of like, you know, you know, how did the, you know that you control what they drink and they go crazy with it? And now sports nutrition is a big thing. And the guy said, whoa, 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 no, no, no. We never let them drink any of those products. And I was like, what? He goes, do you know what's in them? I said, yeah, that's why I'm having this conversation with you. Yeah, a lot of sugar. Do you know what you know? And uh, and I was like, well. England match two weeks ago, da, 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 and look, sponsorship and your players have got da, 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 on TV. I saw your game on the weekend. He said, it doesn't matter, Jazz. He said, we get loads and loads of supply. We get the products in through the, uh, the gym bottles. We, uh, we, we unscrew the caps and we pour all of it down the drain and we make our own formulation. And obviously that was pretty uh, astounding um, as a statement um, at first. Good news from a perspective of nutrition and your football club and players, but hang on, mate, haven't you looked at all of the 10-year-olds and the 15-year-olds that have seen their sort of hero drinking that on a big match the night before, and then you can just imagine him trundling down the high street on his way to a power league or to a, a goals or a football match and grab himself a couple of bottles of that and drink it like there's no tomorrow. And, he's, and his comment at that time was, well, Jazz, you know, the players and the club get paid a lot of money for that. And immediately... We knew that there was something wrong um, and we said, okay. And we had, um, I, I can't remember exactly what prompted it, but we said, we've got to do something about this. There must be a gap in the market, must be an opportunity, you know, for, and we did some speak. We spent about three months researching the marketplace and that point was, and, and that's the bit I think a lot of, you know, we probably deserve the most credit for. Most people said to us, you're trying to, tap into a market that is 70% owned by Pepsi, Coke, and GSK. Are you crazy? And we're like, well, how long have those drinks been around for? We used to drink when we were kids, Lucozade in the hospital. Mm. You know, you used to think that it was a magic juice that's going to make you better. And Powerade is this bright blue solution. That, that can't go on because the world's changing. People are now looking, and these buggers are going to take them a long time to sort of switch from saying, hey, guys, for the last 10, 20, 30, 40 years, we've been feeding you a load of sugar. And now, you know what? We realize that that isn't good. So the bigger the beast is, the more difficult it is going to get them to change their story. So that was, the, that was, the, that was the, why we took the deciding factor to say, we're going to do something about it. So we spent about a year developing the product, put a lot of money. I'm going to, you know, we invested probably three quarters of a million pounds in developing the business model, concept, product, formulation, all of that. It was a massive investment. Um, and we took it, took it to sports clubs, took it to nutritionists. And the model was really simple. Not going to worry about selling drinks at this point in time. We're going to go into the whole of the sports world and get the buy-in of those nutritionists. And if those nutritionists buy into it, and they'd be willing to say, we drink it, we're gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna use that as a marketing tool. And for anyone listening out there, wanna sort of, um, want anyone, for anyone listening out there, sort of wanting to understand, these retailers, anyone think that they can put a product in Tesco and it's just gonna go, I think you need to understand that those buyers really are interested in three things. And if you can answer those three, just three questions quite emphatically, 
you will be you you you'll, you'll be okay. The first thing the buyer is looking for is what makes your product better than the next product on the shelf because ultimately they're renting you shelf space. If you think that you're going to put a product on a Tesco shelf and you've done it, you know, it's it's far from the truth. You're renting shelf space. Their shelves don't sit empty. They've got to reduce, remove something from the shelf and place your product. So they've got to understand why your product is better than anything else on the shelf. Mm -hmm. The next question they're going to want to ask or they want to know in the back of their mind is, what are you doing to promote your product to fly off my shelf? Because and, and they want to they want to see that are you marketing what are you investing in what are you developing what's new what's cool what's funky have you got any endorsements have you got all of that so the product flies off their shelf because back to that point again you're renting space off their shelf mm. and the third one is margin that's uh, that becomes quite an obvious discussion so if you can answer those three questions emphatically any retailer or distributor you know w you'd find it difficult unless they're not doing their job properly to buy your product. So we said we're going to go into sports, we're going to go into the nutritionists, we're going to, we're going to get them to in, use our product and we're going to formulate, reformulate, reformulate until they say that this is the best product in the marketplace and then use that to approach a commercial model. So that was our business plan, that was our model. Uh, 2013 we launched and it got to 2014 and the business the take-up of the product in the sports world was 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 amazing um and it got to a point where we realized that i can't do this myself it was going to have too much of an impact on our on our e-careers business which was our core business this was supposed to be something fun and funky and by the by the side yes we put a lot of time and money into it but it was going to be so so time consuming um and at that point i took a probably probably the most sensible decision of my life at that point um, and even now looking back at it is to bring in um, an organization that had 40 years experience in the drinks industry um, gave up most of my shares to them not all of them a good chunk of our shares to them and said right here you go subject to these 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 conditions you go out and make ipro what I, you believe and we believe is capable um, of doing so it was a case of having a small part of a bigger pie or potentially, from an e-careers perspective, that business suffering and iPro suffering, you know, a big part of a small pie. Um, and looking back now, 2018, you know, we're exporting to over 20 countries, um, over 20 different sports um, are, are, are using and endorsing our product, um, universities, health clubs, gyms, armed forces, police, fire services, and we're just talking to schools um, with a reformulated version of it with more fruit concentration and smaller volume um, getting into the sports world. So it's been an amazing journey. IPRO has been, and I've been, that decision allowed me to learn from IPRO and that world without being hands-on. Um, so being a, being a sort of a silent, um, became a sort of a silent investor, but still, daily sort of conversations you know how's it going what's going on what's new sort of thing without having the daily pressure mm. of it and that's where i sit from an ipro perspective today spoken like a true entrepreneur yeah. so another question this is an obvious one i think now from everything you've just been sharing so you you identify the opportunity and clearly as an entrepreneur that's that's something that has come i wouldn't say easily to you but no. but clearly taken time to identify the opportunity then what i heard twice actually in relation to both your in relation to both your businesses is what I heard 
in relation to both your businesses is uh, a lot of money went into research. So to, to younger people listening that are thinking, I've got a really good idea, but kind of three quarters of a million pounds is a little bit yeah. out it's of a lot my of budget. It's a lot of money. How do people actually get going? I know loads of people, Jazz, who've got great ideas, but they find it very difficult to take the first step. Was, yeah. was research a really, really key part of that? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, and I state this, I, I think too many people just jump into business and I think if you're I think there's three critical skill sets you need to have to be successful in business and if you don't naturally have them yourself I think it's really important to bring on somebody with you whether it's a friend or a partner or 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 a parent or a mentor who can help you and those three things are first thing is market you've got to know your market that market means know your product um, know the industry, um, know your competitors, research that inside out. And nowadays with the power of the internet, you know, and you know, you can network the social media. You've got to know that inside out. Too many people jump in and say, hey, I've got this great idea without realizing that, you know, why is it that somebody else hasn't thought of that before? You know, and you don't always have to have something unique. You know, from a from a from a sports drink perspective, it was far from unique because people have been drinking sports drinks for since sports began probably. But what can you do? What gap in that market and niche can you find? That will only only come from understanding your markets, you know, competitors, you know, and your product. The second thing that's critical, I think, is you've got to know how to sell. Now, selling doesn't mean to a customer necessarily. You've got to be able to sell to a potential investor. You've got to sell to, a, to your bank manager. You've got to sell to um, a prospective, um, somebody you want to employ. Because you're a startup business, you're by yourself, and you've got to convince somebody to say, hey, come on board, I can't pay you anything for the next six months, but look at what we're going to do together. You've got to tell that story. You've got to be passionate about it. So you've got to know how to sell. And of course, you've got to know how to sell to customers as well. So selling is another trait. That, you know, some investors or some entrepreneurs will say, hey, I'm a great technician, but I'm not a very good salesperson. Some will be great at selling, but not really know their product. You've got to know both. And the third one is numbers. You know, we all watch Dragon's Den. And as soon as the investors come in and say, you know, what was your, you know, what's your gross profit? And what's your, bond? oh my God, I didn't, I haven't got a degree in accounting or finance. You don't need to have a degree in account. But if you do not know your numbers, your margins, you know, your costs, you know, before you even sort of get going, you'll fall over. So even if you don't have all three of those skill sets, I think it's fundamental you bring people around you that do. Um, and on the money side of it, yeah, you, we could have started iPro uh, a lot on a lot, lot smaller of a budget. In hindsight, we could have done it on a lot smaller budget. That would have put a lot less pressure on me um, to make some of the decisions I did. But had we not done that, it would have still been a lifestyle business. So sometimes the more you put in in terms of time, effort and resources, the more you've got to come out. So so most businesses can be started off slowly, surely, test the water, prove your concept. And I think if you do that, there's enough channels to get funding if you've got something that you can sell and something with a bit proven, whether it's crowdfunding or angel investment or some, you know, online now, there's lots of ways of gathering, you know, you know, funding. So I don't think that's the, that's the issue, but you've got to know what you're doing. And most people now buy into people. And if you sit down and talk in front of a potential investor, they'll buy into you as a person before your business. So I think 
you know, I think the resources from a financial perspective almost come second after getting all of your foundation. And that's, that's one thing, if you don't mind me interrupting briefly, that's one thing that doesn't seem to have changed a lot over the years is the very much a people business. If you have the ability to build a relationship with an end user or a supplier yeah. or a customer, that, yeah. that's quite fundamental, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. There's, a, there's that whole saying, there's no such thing as B2B or B2C anymore. It's H2H, you know, and it's going back to that. It's human to human, you yeah. know, despite the world of the internet and that sort of thing, you're, mm. you're, you're buying, into, buying into a person. Um, so definitely agree with that. Just taking one step back if I can, because sure. we could explore just the, uh, the, the iPro sport business um, for the next couple of hours but just taking one step back if we may to the education side of things sure. I know that's something you're very passionate about how do you help people to understand the path for themselves in life because a lot of people leave university not really sure the route down which they want to go how, how do you help people uh, to understand which course to take which path to take in life yeah, I think that's a really, really good point. We changed our um, uh, philosophy um, just a little while back, actually. We're not, we're not a training business. We're not an e-learning business. We've, we're calling ourselves a career enhancement business. That's where we are. So what we do is we don't have any sort of cold leads that come into our business. We don't really do any cold calling or anything like that. What we do is we've put out a big network through our partners and ourselves of saying to people, hey, if you want to improve your life, you want to earn more, you want to do more, you want to be more, you want to grow more, which everybody does. Everybody has a desire for something, whether it's impressing their girlfriend with a, with a flashy holiday or, <laughs> or buying the car that they always wanted. There's always something or your kids in, into a better education or whatever it is. We always want to do more. And I think education is definitely a golden key to helping people develop, um, whether it's the qualification or actually improving their knowledge. So what we do is we, we, we always talk to an individual and say, hey, you've, in, you've inquired to do a digital marketing course, but forget the fact that you want to do a digital marketing What made you go onto our website and fill out an inquiry form or talk to one of our career advisors and say, I want to learn digital marketing? Why, what prompted you to do that? What do you, where do you want to go with your life and your career? That, so then we work backwards. We work backwards at, at understanding their need and then offer them various solutions that mm. go um, that fit their need because it's very easy to, 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 to sell somebody something or to get somebody to enrol in a course that's not going to help them ultimately because that would be a short term gain and long term long term failure so we'll just try and train our people to, 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 to go back to that what was going through that person's head that prompted them to go onto a website read about a course fill out an inquiry form and have this conversation today because they want to do something and we've we've got something so powerful which is the tool to allow them to achieve that in their life mm. um and so that's massive and going back to your other point about you know people at college university i think that there's a huge gap in our education system where we haven't really got the bridge between academic learning and what we call professional vocational learning we all talk about hey we did great at university and i've got this degree at this degree and you put them in a business or working environment and they're a fish out of water so i think that the education system needs to bridge that gap between um you know what you learn and apprenticeships have tried to be that and they're trying to take those first few steps towards that but there's still a long way to go and i think digital online learning and learning specific skill sets 
uh, whether you want to learn about cybersecurity or 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 or, or, or leadership or, or even Microsoft Excel or project management or IT or anything, you can learn that online. Mm-hmm. So what you want to do is you want to have your academic qualification and you want to try and embrace as much online learning as you can, and that will help you understand very very quickly on your own back. Is I liked that digital marketing course, so I like that coding. You know, we talk about coding, it's going to be massive. We need more coders in this country. Um, have a go, try that course, have a play with that. And you're like, wow, I enjoyed that. So we need to encourage people to embrace that a lot more to be able to f- take that step between academic to vocational to really sort of prosperous careers. And I want to be a big part of that. Sounds like you've identified a new business opportunity. Oh, no, we've been, we've been looking at that and trying to drive that, but we're yeah. trying to drive a whole industry forward, which isn't, sure. which isn't easy, yeah. easy to do. Um, Jazz, how did you first hear about the Entrepreneur of the Year Award? And, and the obvious question, I suppose, is how did it change you? Has it changed you? How has it changed the business for you? Good question. I didn't identify it. My colleagues put me forward for it without really telling me too much about it. And once you got past the first bit and it was like, okay, they want to talk to you, Jazz. Mm. Um, And that was the first time. And I think the changing point was sitting in front of three highly established and nationally recognized entrepreneurs and them interviewing you. um, And then from they've interviewed hundreds and hundreds of people you know so the short list from thousands to interview hundreds to saying you've been put forward as one of the half a dozen people at the awards you know in two months time mm. um and then being at that in that evening where there's hundreds and hundreds of people and this the, you know the md of amazon was there and all of that and this was the final award of of you know and and you and you hear your name called out, and you know they ask you to do. They ask you to talk about it. And when I was coming down the steps afterwards, one of the judges came over and said, "You know, selecting you as the winner was probably one of the easiest decisions we could have made." And that point, you know, and he'll know who he is. And at that point, it was quite. That was the first time I think that somebody from industry has recognised what has been achieved without you sort of regurgitating in your mind what you're doing mm. and somebody to say, look, you've done engineering and, and manufacturing, you've done education and technology, you've done FMCG and sport and you've achieved some remarkable things. So it makes you a true entrepreneur. Well done, Jazz. And it was like, wow. You know, and, and I think my confidence levels went up a good, good few notches and allows me to sort of speak about it. I, I, I don't think, you know, my phone, my WhatsApp, because now on social media, it was, went berserk, you know, all evening. And, and even the next few days, I had phone calls saying, wow, Jazz, you know, you're Entrepreneur of the Year. Do you know what that means? And it was like, yeah, 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 I've got work to do because you're back mm-hmm. to work because it was like a Wednesday night or something. And uh, it wasn't until afterwards you sort of sit back and reflect. And yeah, so sitting here today, a year on, I'm massively proud of it. And I think it's given me a lot more confidence to sort of reflect back on what's been achieved as you should be i have to say many congratulations but you strike me as a very modest i mean if you don't mind me saying so very likable modest guy um and clearly that's one of the things that's got you to where you've got to because your feet are very firmly on the ground so it seems um so let me ask you a question that we ask all our guests jazz uh, and the question is if you were having a conversation with a younger version of yourself able to give that person advice based on all the things you've learned since the age of 15, 18, when, whenever you went into your father's business, for example, what advice would you give to a younger version of Jazz Gandam now? Well, where do we start? So 
despite that's been a wonderful story I've just told, there hasn't been a shortage of 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 mess ups or or, or things where we've fallen down um, and you've had to dust yourself up. I think I think diversifying probably wasn't a good idea. Realize what you're good at. Do your homework properly, like we've said, um, and then become the best at what you do. I think that would be a massive piece of advice. And the second one is don't think you can do it by yourself. Um, find good people around you. Um, there's a lot of people that want to support entrepreneurs out there. Um, find good people, take advice, listen to the advice, um, onboard the advice, and then, 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 then go about and do what you want to do. But don't think you can do it by yourself. It's not easy. I've been surrounded by very, very, very good people that have always sat for nothing and given me advice. Um, and, and, you know, I owe them pretty much everything that, that's allowed me to do that. But I've always been open to listen. You know, I've opened my doors to a lot of people um, at, my, at my, you know, detriment at times. But it's really important to, to take on board and surround yourself by good people. So, so do your homework, be the best at what you do and bring good people around you. Fabulous. I think that'd be, that was probably what I would have done better, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Um, and I think I would have been in a far stronger position today. Well, it sounds like I've done know. okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it, yeah, you, you probably more and quicker had 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 I done that. I've only started really being, you know, I've always had good people around me, but really sort of taking my own advice probably in the last seven or eight years, I think more so. So, Jazz, there's going to be loads of people now listening in, tapping away at their phones and their tablets, trying to find out more about you. So give them a helping hand. Where do we go to find out more about you and what you're up to? Email me, please. I love receiving emails. I love talking to people. I'm, I'm a, I love talking. So just email me um, my, and I will try and respond to anyone and everyone we can and try and help out anyone and everyone we can. So eCareers is all about bringing opportunities to the masses. And I, I try and uh, I try and you know uh, you know deliver that same message. So email me on j a z z dot g at e hyphen careers c a r e e r s dot com. Um, and yeah, I'll try and respond as quick as I can, or find me on LinkedIn. Do you know, this has been a really tough interview for me today because as I've been asking questions, I've been writing copious notes at the same time, and as a guy, I can't do two things at the same time. So I. I Listen, we're going to have to have you back because we've scratched the surface, I think, here. So, um, Jazz, thank you so much for joining us. It's been absolutely amazing, fascinating in so many different ways. Um, so, Jazz Gandam, for our, being our guest today, thank you so much. Sandra, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. That was the Sandro Forte podcast. And sincere thanks to our guest today, Jazz Gandam. Remember, lots more interviews to come, so follow us on social media, Sandro's Podcast, same on all channels. And don't forget to share your stories, your thoughts, experiences, and email me, hello at sandrospodcast.com. Finally, don't forget to leave that review on the podcast on iTunes and tell us what you'd like more of in the future. Until next time.